All right. I want to see if I can um mix a more broken version of that. Maybe we'll work on that after we record this episode. But um, welcome back to the Josh and Ethan show. Um, just quick things. Veltine's room in a car accident. Good karma because he's a child predator. Travis Banks and Wagero got fired. So I guess they have evidence against those guys, unlike the rest of the UK guys. And um, AW announced what's for what night on Fighter Fest. So I think we might as well just get that running down. And then we'll look at Great American Bash, which is basically NXT's version to counter AEW and try to hurt their ratings, which I hope doesn't work because I think this is a great AEW card coming up. Yeah, although some of these matches in the card for Great American Bash look okay, but I think overall, I think that Fighter Fest will be the better show. Yeah, especially because... AEW is also making it feel a lot more like just a special TV because it's not like they have one special match for the main event or it's like all special matches, kind of like a pay-per-view. It's kind of in between. You kind of have like MJF and Wardlow versus Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, which is like a great match, but it's not a um a normal match that you would see on like a pay-per-view necessarily. It's more like doing singles with those guys. So I think it's kind of a good mix of thinking about in a TV that way. Alright, so um, night one, we'll get right into it. They're doing the TNT title with Cody versus Hager. Cody's pretty much turning heel to do a four horseman with FTR, and I think it's going to be um, Sean Spears. So, I think that's probably just going to be, he's going to be more heelish and more heelish to continue, like, even against Hager, if he kind of comes off as a heel, to continue... Yeah, just kind of like that arc of seeing that way. Especially because he said he was going to defend it every week, and he didn't defend it this week and say he had a press conference. So he's kind of already going back on his word in a heelish way. Yeah. But, I mean, obviously, Cody's 99% sure Cody's going to win. Yeah. I, I Hager having the TNT title. I could see Hager winning it if they did, like, Cody wins it back two weeks from now. And it's kind of like that's a real wake-up call for Cody. But I don't feel like they want to just do a short reign on Hager. I think it's almost better for him if he just loses here. But I think it should be a great match. And they'll kind of play into the amateur that they did. Both did kind of, count, like, on the way up. Then, um, tag title, Omega and Page versus Best Friends. Omega and Page are basically shooting to win this, but I think it should be great. And... I think the best friends will probably set themselves up to be future tag champions here. It's just right now, it's probably important to do a freeway of FTR, the Bucks, and Omega and Page. So Omega and Page can turn on each other. So I think the best friends are probably three or four tag team reigns away from having those belts. But I think they've definitely positioned themselves well. And Tony Khan's doing a good job once they came to his tapings and did several matches in that one day. To kind of... um start to seem like a main event tag team, and I think that's good for them. Yeah. I mean, I would... I don't know when it would be a good time to give best friends the tag titles. Because they definitely have, like, they're definitely championship material. But I just, like... I don't see any time in the near future them having the title. Yeah, that's why it's tough. Because it's like, they're there, but there's also the underlying arc of the whole FTR, Bucks, and Megan Page turning each other thing. 
So yeah. you kind of have to get through all of them because like the Bucks have to have the titles at some point. FDR has to have the titles at some point. Whoever that's like, that's probably winning it from one of those other teams. And one of those teams is probably winning it from Omega and Page, maybe even a freeway with all those teams. When Omega and Page turn on each other. So it's very interesting. It's definitely far off, but I think they have done a good job positioning themselves like to be on that level though, which is important. But, yeah, the whole thing's weird. I mean, it's going to be great once they get there, but they really have to wait to do the turn so they can have, like, one third fan attendance, and they're still a while off from that. So, that's kind of the big, just... Like, I expect, like, probably MJF to beat Moxley, which will get to the whole Moxley situation. And, um... FTR to, like, win the tag belts against the Bucks or something like that. Or a Megan Page to turn on each other. Probably... Like, first or second show with fans back. Um, what's next? Um, they're doing women's title. So, they're doing all three titles except for the world title on the first night, which actually turned out to be a mistake, it seems. But, um, women's title, Sheeta defending against Ford. Ford's a pretty weak challenger, and she's pretty green, like, from a win-loss record on Dynamite standpoint. Their record's pretty good from Dark. And they've been showing the dark results on T- on Dynamite now the last two weeks, which I really like because you're actually like, I read all the dark results, but it's good for just everyone to see, okay, this person got a win, this person got a win. Because it's not as important as win on Dynamite, but from the point of like, it's like, wait, the Natural Nightmares are 5-0 as a tag team? It's like, oh, who's here? here's who they beat. So, um, <laughs> oh. but that's all... That's good now that they're doing that. But, I mean, it should be a fine match. And Sabian's fun when he cheats, so. And and then, I assume the tag titles are main eventing this show. Sorry, I I should have read them in a different order. It's our tag or TNT main eventing. Then they're doing MGF and Wardlow versus Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. The Wardlow and Luchasaurus had a great um, Lumberjack match on Dynamite. So, it's just kind of a continuation of that. I assume MGF and Wardlow are winning. Just because MJF probably has to be undefeated till he wins the belt. But it's really sad that Jungle Boy keeps losing. So I almost would have done like a injury angle for Jungle Boy. And made it like Luchasaurus and Marco. Because I think those guys can take a loss more than Jungle Boy can right now. Yeah. Because Jungle Boy, especially with his uh, most recent match, I think he's kind of like... I think that would, like, cancel out his most recent match. Because his last match was great. And then having him lose at Fighter Fest would kind of, like, be like, oh, well, that was for nothing. Yeah, and this will be a great match, no matter what. It's just, it's, he has to lose. Because MGF, he has to be wrestling all the time. So he had to cross that, like, career rival thing that they're building to. But he can't beat MJF. So MJF has a title. And I don't know if he's a guy to beat MJF for a title. Like, MJF will have had to have the title and lost it. Or have the title and lose it to Jungle Boy. And we have to wait till we have fans for Moxley to lose. Because Moxley's like that big of a star. Because Moxley hasn't gotten to defend it really with fans. So you, you kind of... I talk about like the two pay-per-view thing once we have one for fan attendance. Because if we wait to have full fan attendance, that's just going to take forever. And that's not worth it. But if you wait till you have one for fan attendance, then you can have... Okay, one pay-per-view. Moxley gets to defend the title. Yay, everyone saw Moxley defend the title in front of some fans. Second pay-per-view, Moxley loses the title whoa, we did the title change with fans. So it's like, that's how I'm kind of thinking about it. So I feel like MGF's a guy for that because they're really pushing guys undefeated. So I feel like, I don't know if it's right for him to chop the title for Jungle Boy, but 
they either have to take Jungle Boy away from MGF for a while, or they have to get that title on MGF quickly so you can actually have some losses because he should be an undefeated champion. So I think this is good to do it now and to continue like them pushing each other while they're still in the crowd. But I still think it's really important to just... Dar- they're kind of building up Darby and Brian Cage right now, but like just pick someone... That's a name maker. Like, you could even do, like, Dark Order versus Jurassic Express and give Jungle Boy, like, an upset win over Brody Lee in, like, a 20-minute match on TV to, like, main event something. And, like, that's fine. He just needs to beat someone with a big name. And right now, it's not the time for MGF. And if you look at it, we'll get to Brody Lee and Cabana later. But it's like, Brody Lee is a super strong record. He has one loss, and it's to Moxley. So I think he could afford to lose to Jungle Boy. I think it does almost no harm to Brody Lee, and I think it does everything for Jungle Boy. Because he just needs that one win. Like, they have some tag team wins. They have some wins on Dark. But he needs, like, that one big win. Yeah. And then, the last match here that I see is Private Party versus Santana on the C4Ts. For yeah. some reason. That's well, kind it's, of out of It's because they came together on the New York Independence scene. They want to get Santana Ortiz still back into the spotlight. And they're doing Private Party being cornered by Matt Hardy because they really want to get Private Party over and kind of give him some advice. So I think it's more important to actually put these... They said next year on the Jericho Cruise, they're doing six-man tag belts. If you look at that, they have Private Party and Matt Hardy. You do Santana Ortiz and like either Hager or Sammy. You can do the Bucks and Kenny if Kenny hasn't turned... If Kenny isn't a heel at that point after turning on Hangman because Kenny should be the one to turn on Hangman. You can have SCU... I think, I don't know if I said Jurassic Express, like, you can do free guys from the Dark Order. So, like, they have a huge six-man tag pool. So, I feel like Santana Ortiz should win this, because even though it's their first time cornering with Matt Hardy, what I also do is, the story's kind of private parties pretty green. So, I would do kind of what they did with Arn and Cody, with how Cody beat Darby that one time. You could do, instead, it's like, private party are about to lose. Matt Hardy, tell like, gives them a good coach thing. They survive, go deeper in the match, but then they still lose. So it's kind of like Matt Hardy's helping them, but they're still not there yet. Where private, sorry, where PMP is, because I think that would help Private Party. But also, like Santana Ortiz are hovering on the bubble of being 500. I really don't want them to lose that many matches because they really should be pushed a lot harder than they are. Yeah, um, I don't know. I think night one is pretty packed. A lot of interesting. Storylines, a lot of interesting matches, some good matches in the card there. Um, I think it was a little weird that they had all the title matches, but the world title match on one night. I would have just saved all the title matches for night two. See, I would split them. I would have done probably. I would, I would have done TNT and World on different nights, then put the tag on one night and the women's on one night. That's true. Because I think you have to keep drawing to both. But I think they're really counting on this world title match. But um, I don't know if they're going to either. So, Renee Young got coronavirus because WWE is really bad at assessing people and banning masks and everything. So, Mox hasn't tested positive, but he was with her, of course. So, they're doing, like, separate rooms of the house. But um, he probably won't be able to be for the tapings there next week because they're taping both nights in one week. So, they're, this match isn't happening, this world title match with Brian Cage. 
So I don't know if they're taking him off the show and Taz gets a promo segment or if they're doing Brian Cage versus Darby, but it's like Darby would probably beat Cage in that situation, but you can't beat Cage because he hasn't lost to Moxley yet. So that whole thing's kind of weird. It's kind of something that they don't deserve because it's WWE's fault, really. But um, I think the new main maybe event will... That, maybe that was their plan. Maybe they were like, get Renee, make sure Renee Young gets Corona. I wouldn't put it on. past Vince. I would not put past Vince. <laughs> I wouldn't either. Yeah. It sounds a little extreme, but that's something Vince would do. Yeah. He'll um he'll try to like find someone on the street and he'll just like he'll be like, Alright, who's a wrestler that I can just have interact with this person a ton and then I'm gonna have Renee interview them five times on this show. Alright, so um the new main event will probably be Orange Cassidy versus Jericho. So Orange Cassidy stood tall. I just wanna say I hope they really mic the AW crowd for this one. Because with a crowd, this should be like the greatest match of all time. But Orange has bled two weeks in a row, which makes me think that Jericho is bleeding in this match, which would be awesome. But I think Jericho is winning because Orange has stood tall two of the three weeks that they've built up this feud. So I think Jericho is winning, and I think they're going to make that the new main event. It's either going to be that or probably FTR and the Young Bucks versus the Butcher Blade and the Wucha Bros. So Pentagon's back. Awesome. I assume that this is either FTR and the Young Bucks kind of dissolve, FTR walks out, and the Bucks get pinned. So that kind of gets FTR's first, like, overall loss out of the way, but doesn't give them, like, a tag team loss. Or you could do, they manage to work together, like, begrudgingly, and they pin one of the Butcher Blade. So either way, but um, I think the big build here is, the long, long term is FTR Young Bucks. But you can kind of set up an FTR Witcher Bros match, because... In AEW, I think the Witcher Bros, in the most recent match, they have the Bucks, the Witcher Bros won. So FTR can kind of beat them to be like, oh, oh, we're better than you. We beat the Witcher Bros. You couldn't. So I think that's probably the build coming off of this match, but this should be a great eight-man tag match because the Butcher and Boyd are least of the teams, and that's that speaks volumes about a match if these guys are the least of the, t- the, least of the teams in it. Yeah. Um... And then there's Cabana, Brody versus SCU. Um, I I can only see Brody leading Cole Cabana winning. Yeah, they actually, they add, the one thing that intrigues me is Stu Grayson's a good worker. So they may have added him just because he's a good worker. But maybe Stu Grayson's in there to eat the pin. Cause they're, they're I, doing... think, I, I think... Cabana would be the one to get the pin because it'd kind of be like, well, he was losing every week, and now that he's with Brody, like, no, he's I'm saying, better. I'm saying if SCU wants to, if they end up that Cabana doesn't go with Brody Lee and, and Stu Grayson, maybe Stu Grayson gets pinned in that match, is what I'm saying. Um, but I, I assume it's a similar finish to Dynamite where Brody Lee weighs someone out, and he's like, Colt, you take the pin. I want you to be a winner. And Colt takes the pin. Kind of like they did because I thought that was a great finish on Dynamite against Shoji and Sunny Kiss. So I think yeah. Colt's turning heel because the Bayface character is great and like it's really fun. And, like I see like the billboards for one hour teaser Chicago and I go like boom boom Colt Cabana boom boom Colt. Cabana. But it's like I think it'll be really fun to get to see him play kind of like this cocky heel like I'm always winning now. And you can kind of um, yeah. they really need it's important because QT had contact with someone so he and all his students including Anj weren't there. But if they get in what they've been teasing with Anj and Colt Cabana the Dark Order, 
the Dark War was really stacked because I think they picked up Alan Angles, who had like a squash match that was actually quite competitive with Kenny on Dynamite a while ago. And he's really good. He has like he's like number four or five or something. Then they have Preston Vance, who's number ten. So they've kind of picked up these different jobbers. Then they're kind of gonna do Anjay to have the wounds vision. Then they have Brody and Colt who are like upper mid carters. And I think those guys are really powerful because they can get lots of wins. Like when they win, you remember it, no matter who they beat. But when they lose, it's especially with Brody, you have the double like the double edged sword in a good way almost. I don't know if, what the metaphor is, but I was kind of talking about like say Jungle Boy they do a feud and Jungle Boy beats him. It's like you don't remember like, oh, Brody Lee's a geek, he lost to Jungle Boy. You remember, oh yeah, Brody Lee has a second loss. That's okay though, because he's like six and two. But Jungle Boy beat Brody Lee. So it like it kind of is one like kind of net zero and one complete positive. So I think you have a really strong group there. And then Evil Uno and Sue Grayson as a tag team and then Silver and Rails is kind of jobber tag team. Because I think Uno and Grayson are going for the tag titles sometime soon, probably in between, because they're like 9-2 and two as a tag team. So they've done a really good job setting that group up to be, like, seems may have that threats if you want them to win, but also they can lose and it won't hurt them, but it'll really help whoever they put over. So I think they've done a really good job with the Dark Order. Yeah. And I don't know what what's the plan for her, but Nyla Rose will appear at some point. It says here, night two, it says Nyla, it literally just says Nyla Rose will appear. See, I don't really know what that means. But. I first thought it was a mystery opponent, and it was going to be Abaddon, who they're kind of pushing card, and Abaddon was going to squash Nyla Rose. And I'd be like, oh, Sheeta, you could barely beat Nyla Rose, and Abaddon was just a monster. I'm not really into Abaddon. I mean, we haven't seen a ton yet. I think the gimmick's kind of stupid so far, but um, we'll wait and see. But maybe they do something with Abaddon there, kind of like creating a new monster. And then... Yeah. um. Lance Archer versus Joey Janela. Archer's going to win this. I, so, yeah, that's a when they were doing those Janela vignettes, I thought like Janela was like turning heel on Sunny Kiss because Janela's such a good heel, and he's kind of a babyface in this, kind of out of necessity when they started a company. Has they kind of need to name babyfaces? Because like the heels that they had were Jericho and the Wucha Bros only really as name heels, but they were so massive that it was important to have everyone else in the founding kind of be like. Yeah, I helped found AEW. I'm a babyface. But I think that kind of hurt Janelle in the long term because it's like, well, face Janelle, yeah, he can lose to Moxley and he can lose to Kenny on TV here. So it's like he's really suffered a lot. And he got like four wins on Dark, I think, with Sonny Kiss. But, and Sonny Kiss looked great in his debut on Dynamite. But I just think that Janelle should probably break out as a heel again. Yeah. And. That's pretty much it. I th- yeah, that's it. Other than the little title match, but we don't even know if that's happening. Yeah, well, let me see if I can find a card for the Great American Bash. Um, I found one. Here, let me pull it up. So, the first match I see here uh, is Roderick Strong versus Dexter Loomis in a strap match. Fine. I mean, they kind of... They kinda, so using- uh, this was announced this week on NXT because Loomis and Strong had a match and like Roger Strong was like, oh, Dexter Loomis, scary. So now they're going to have a strap match for some reason. I love how they're like, all right, AEW's built up this big show and with 
like with months notice, in two weeks notice, we're going to try to ruin their ratings because we don't like AEW. AEW is bad and evil. And you know how we're going to ruin their ratings? Dexter Loomis. That's who. <laughs> like, one, I, um, ha- I hate that they're trying to mess with AEW's a- ratings because that's Halo Unification. All the average age 56 marks that watch NXT, like, because you know there's like those average age 56 people that are like, oh my god, they're going to unify the angsty titles. Like, oh, this it's totally not going to be a screw job finish. They're not going to do a double count hour of carrying cross run in. It's like, it just, I, I'm really worried it's going to really hurt AW's ratings for a really important show. But I also find it really funny that they're building everything around like two matches, like the one sale and the title unification with air quotes around title unification. But they're like, oh yeah, on the rest of the card, we can just put over main eventer Dexter Loomis. Well, one match that actually is pretty intriguing that I'm actually looking forward to the most out of all this is was actually kind of just thrown together. There was no reasoning behind it, but it's the number one contenders match for the women's title. Mia Yim, Tegan Knox, Dakota Kai, Candice LeRae, Fatal Four-Way. That looks like it could be probably the match of the night. Yeah. So I would assume Candice is going over in that. Because, like, here's why it's so confusing to me. So Io turned heel on Candice. But then Candice turned heel, and Io's a face again, even though she still has her heel gimmick. So Candice as a heel is going to go after Io? As a face? I think like, that would make the most sense. Okay, it just, it's a bit convoluted to me. It's never really been explained if Io's a face or a heel. But I think that'd be probably the best match, because... Until they finally resolve this Tegan Knox Dakota Kai thing, you can't really have either of them win. And Mia Yim is not good enough to wrestle Yoshirai. Yeah. And I I think I think Eo is a face because Charlotte I think was a heel. She beat Charlotte. And I think well, obviously Sasha and Bailey are heels. So I think it's safe to say that I think Eo is a face. No, they think you know that WWE think Charlotte is a face, right? They do. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Nothing was, um, that Charlotte does is baby face. Meltzer, Meltzer wrote about in the Observer a couple weeks ago in the build up to this really match. They think they they see Charlotte as a face and like they basically see it as like a face match and like Eo's kind of like a shade of gray, basically. From my understanding of it, I just was skimming for the Observer, and that, they think Charlotte's a face. No, nothing about her says face. I think she's supposed to be like a heel on the main roster, or in a face in NXT, or like the reverse. Like she's like a heel on one and a face on the other. It's so convoluted. Kind of like Angel Garza, how he was a face on NXT for a while, and then he was on Raw and he was a heel. Yeah, he has rain. We turned heel because he moved up. Um, then we have Rhea Ripley versus Robert Stone and Aaliyah. This, they're burying Rhea at this point. I love how, like, so everyone's like, Charlotte should have never won the title. Or we saw Mania. You ruined Rhea Ripley. Then, instead of saying, you're right, we did. Let's put the title back on her. Remove her up. They proceed to further ruin Rhea Ripley. And also, this Robert Stone guy... He's a great actor. I like Robert Stone. But his gimmick, 
is that he's Tony Khan on a bender because his Robert Stone brand, a.k.a. AEW, is like a complete failure. Like, he he dresses up to look like how Tony Khan looks in, like, the press releases. He has, like, the glasses, kind of the hairstyle. And it's like, oh, ha, ha, we beat AEW in the ratings this week. So the Robert Stone brand, a.k.a. AEW, is falling apart. So he's going on a bender because he's a loser. And now he picked up a jobber in a Leah to his brand. Just like he picked up that jobber, Luke Harper. Ha, 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 ha. See, we got that inside joke in our show. It's like, it's so stupid. And she was so dominant against Leah that I assume Rhea's getting screwed out of this match. And she's going to have to join the Robert Stone brand. Which is going to be awful for her. Where we just fire Rhea and let her go to stardom? Like, at, like the, at this point, I feel like she's at a point of either no recovery or it's going to be very hard to get build her back up. Like, you you really might as well fire her in a bunch of cups. Like, I don't care about Rhea Ripley anymore. And then they have other talented women in the UK, but they're not even trying to do, like, Empty Arena UK. So, we don't see any of those women. No, I think... I think I, I don't remember where I read this, but I think somewhere that I read that uh, they're shutting down NXT UK for at least the time being. Yeah. So, all right. Let me let me just give a quick overview of what WWE has done with their women's division. So, everyone in NXT UK except for Rhea Ripley, off TV because a mix of their they were too lazy to run sh- empty arena shows during COVID, and a mix of basically like a quarter of the men there seem to be predators. But none of the women there gets wrestled. They can't even do like all women shows there. So they're just all gone. Like Kaylee Ray, Tony Storm, all of them. Just done. Rhea Ripley comes to NXT, is super hot, gets beaten by Charlotte, cools off. Becomes a geek on TV every week, cools off. Gets pinned in a match that Charlotte loses the title in. Now is feuding with Robert Stone. Becky Lynch was like the only good thing in the company, held the title for a year, did nothing with it. And then. Went out on maternity leave. Shayna Baszler comes in, has her big match that she's supposed to win against Becky Lynch, loses, disappears from TV. Nia Jax injures everyone, still on TV and majorly pushed. Charlotte wins every match, and even when she loses titles, doesn't get pinned. Asuka is handed the title after winning Money in the Bank. Kyrie Sane treated as a jobber just because she's Asuka's tag team partner, so instead of being a successful mid-card worker, she has to put over everyone that's coming for Asuka and never gets to win a match. Like, Sonya Deville, still cutting promos on Mandy Rose about how Mandy gets opportunities, even though Mandy hasn't wrestled since she lost twice in a row to Sonya Deville. Mandy Rose hasn't won a match since she lost twice in a row to Sonya Deville, yet she's still on TV. Like, do I need to go on? Like, what have they done well about their wounds vision? Bigley has no character. Sasha Banks randomly wins tag titles. Outside of that, has done nothing. Iconics pushed as main eventers. Alexa Bliss is a babyface. Nikki Cross talks normally, isn't insane. <laughs> there's just there's so too much wrong, and at this point, it's really hard to to fix what or to change what. Change what's going on on Raw and what's going on in SmackDown. And Vince could die. That would help. Like if Vince retired or died. Like he just he needs to go. The issue is like, I don't want to find myself like rooting for Vince's death, but he's gonna work till he dies. Like he'll never retire. 
So, like, I really just want him to retire, but I almost, like, have to root for his death because he'll never retire. Yeah. Oh, sorry to anyone if you hear a washer in the background. I forgot to turn all that stuff off before we started recording. Um. And then there's EO and Sasha. This is tricky because, you know, I actually, I actually think, I think EO will win. But it'll be a screwy finish because, like, Bailey intervenes and they'll, like, play, you know, use it as a part of, oh, Bailey and Sasha are teasing their breakup or whatever. That's what I'm thinking. So you mean, like, she tries to intervene and help Sasha and ends up costing Sasha? Yeah. Oh, so you're telling me that we can have another young, fresh person as NXT champion that we can just ruin by not letting them get, like, proper wins? Well, what are you going to have EO lose clean well, well, to Sasha? No, I think EO should just win clean. Because here's the issue. It's like, Bailey and Sasha are tag team champions. So, like, we're feeding, like, we're, we're, we're feeding, like, fuel for that breakup. Because, like, it's one thing if it's AEW and they were already feeding the fuel for the breakup. Like, as they won the tag titles, then united around the tag titles. So, like, you're telling me Bailey and Sasha won the tag titles, and they're not uniting around the tag titles? Like, it's way too blatant then. It should be it should be underlying. Because, like, the whole Kenny Hickman fan's like, well, they're drinking milk and whiskey together right now, but next time they mess up a move, maybe they'll get pissed at her. Like, that's the way, like, it's underlying. The Bailey and Sasha thing is too blatant. It doesn't feel like there's any intrigue to it. Well, I'm just saying what I think will happen. I think it'll be a screwy finish. I'm not saying that's what I wish would happen. I would wish... You know, all the things in the world that EO would just beat Sasha clean. But I'm saying that since Vince has input in NXT now, he's putting in his his brilliant ideas. I think he's going to keep doing the screwy finishes and just have EO win, but in a not-so-clean okay. way. Sorry, I misinterpreted what you said. I thought you were rooting for a screw job finish, and I was like, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> no, I'm saying it, Vince is going to put his Vince... Vince toying on the mash, and it's going to be a screw for Okay, cool, cool. All right. Um, so what else do we have that's important? It's just the last match. Adam Cole, Keith Lee, we already talked about so, that. Yeah, Karrion Cross runs in. So they're just like, going to put the time on Karrion Cross. He's going to squash Adam Cole, and everything that Adam Cole's worked for is worthless because Karrion Cross is big, and the end, Vince just likes big people. I also don't like that they're using a mid-card title, the North American Championship, and they're using it in the main event with well, another... I like. I think I love Keith Lee. He's great, but I don't think he should have the title because he doesn't need it. Yeah, and also Keith Lee's way too much of a monster to be a babyface. Yeah. Like, he, like, you can do big babyfaces, but they have to go, like, chop-locked repeatedly. When it's like, Keith Lee's a babyface... Because the guys he goes up against say mean things. And, like, he never sells anything in any of his matches. Yeah. And here, also, so, here, here's the issue. Like, you can strap the rocket on someone. Here's why AEW is so good. The way you get title shots is by special matches or having a good win-loss record. To have a good win-loss record, you don't have to be, like, 20-5 and five and have been everyone on the roster and just, like, have answered all your losses. You can just go... 5-0 and, oh and say, I beat two jobbers, free name guys, but I've never lost. And you get a tail shot. 
So they can strap the rocket on you without you beating everyone. This whole carrying crossing is like, all right, he beat Champa. He's going to beat Keith Wee probably, or Amcole, who squashed everyone else on the roster. So it's like, who can go for carrying cross? No one. There's no interest in any of his matches. Because if he squashes the people that narrowly beat people, like, even if it's like on a different day, someone else would narrowly beat them, it's like, he's still squashing them. So it's like, we don't care. Because, yeah. all right, we'll get it this way. Gargant, and theoretically, if you look at, like, if you were to think about, like, NXT, which no one really does, Keith Lee should be better than Karrion Cross, but Gargano beats Ciampa. Bauer beats Gargano. So your your tier list for the small guys is, like, Amcole, just below Bauer, though Amcole doesn't really beat Bauer clean. And then Gargano, then Ciampa. Karrion Cross kills Ciampa. Ciampa's dead. Karrion Cross is taken Champa spot. Keith Lee kills Gargano. Then he kills Bauer and Gargano at the same time. So Keith Lee's way above both those guys. So Keith Lee is theoretically above Adam Cole. But then all Karen Cross is on is being Champa, who lost Gargano. But the way they're treating him, it's like he's gonna be all of them. And all, all right, what's Keith Lee was supposed to turn heel before Survivor series. They were going they were sending him on a losing streak. And he was a complete geek, losing to everyone. And now we're supposed to believe that because, like, Vince saw him and he liked how big he was, that now he wins every match? Wait, what's the storyline explanation for Keith Lee going from a jobber who was about to turn heel to just an unkillable monster babyface? Yeah, it does make sense. I mean, I don't think... I don't think we in NXT we've seen a heel, any sort of heel Keith Lee, or any, like teasing of that possibility so no they, they did one time because ACH won the breakout tournament and Keith Lee was walking with him and he's like hey you should you shouldn't take those opportunities for granted you don't know when you're gonna get him he kind of gave him like a heel look as ACH walked away so they've hinted at because that's when he was losing every match but it's like he came and did nothing for a year Vince was like oh I like this one pal he's so big I'll oh, spear bomb Roman Reigns pal and then like he just spear bomb this and then he gets pinned but it's like so Hunter now feels that he has to push Keith Lee, but like there's no explanation. Like, what made Keith Lee go from jobber to like a god? Yeah, I I honestly think that Keith Lee doesn't even belong on NXT anymore. He hasn't for a while. He just needs to be on SmackDown because like monster baby faces don't work. You can have big baby faces if they get like chop blocked like and stuff show. and smell. The big shows, you know. The Big Show did, does pretty good jobs at being a baby face. Yeah, because he would get hit directly in the head unprotected with chair shots, or he would get chomp blocked, or he would get double teamed. But Keith Lee just yeah. goes, like, completely normal one-on-one and wins every time. But it's like, why should I like you? You, you just win every match, and I don't know much about your personality, except you want me to bask in your glory, glory, which is pretty much a heel thing. I mean, I guess he has, like, BLM trunks, so, like... That's the reason I root for him on a personal level, but we know the booking team doesn't care about that from that standpoint. So it's like it's not like the booking team is heavy and wear those to make him seem more likable. So it's like, why am I supposed to like him? He comes he he is being pushed if you look at the way he wins matches, almost exactly the same as Carrying Cross. Yet Carrying Cross is a yeah. scary song. So I'm supposed to not like Carrying Cross and like Keith Lee. 
I guess. I mean, I don't know. I just think, I just think personally, Keith Lee needs should have lost that time. I don't think he should have been pinned. I think in that triple threat match that they had this week, either Balor or I think it would make sense if uh, Gargano won, but he pinned Balor so that you're not you're not damaging Keith Lee. And Keith Lee kind of goes in all angry, like, oh, I lost. So then you continue the thing with Gargano and um, and Keith Lee, and Gargano gets to go and face, you know, Adam Cole, and then they can do a thing with Karrion Cross, and then it's over. And Gargano still has his title. When that stuff is all over, you know, Gargano you know, keeps the title at the end of the feud. And then I just say, bump up Lee to SmackDown and then have Gargano do whatever. Yeah. Has that's a good idea, but here's another reason this whole carrying cross thing, like he has to win the title and destroy everyone stupid. I have no reason to care or be invested about Ciampa, Gargano, Bauer, Lee, and Cole. Because we, like we're still building up like Bauer versus Cole. That doesn't matter because Bauer's just a geek now. He got squashed by Keith Lee. But Adam Cole doesn't matter because he's ever going to get squashed by Keith Lee or he's going to get squashed by Karrion Cross. And Keith Lee doesn't matter because he's ever going to narrowly lose Adam Cole or he's squashed by Karrion Cross. Like, I shouldn't care about any of these people from a storyline standpoint because they're all just going to eventually lose and be fed to Karrion Cross. So why does it matter if Gargano is better than Bauer or if Bauer is better than Gargano? Because both of them in the end, the winner will just lose to Karrion Cross. Like, why do I care about any of these people? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, on paper, it seems like a good card, but long term, it's not. There's a lot of stuff wrong. Yeah, sadly, the people that watch the show are generally like the people that like religiously watch the show and like refuse to open their eyes to AEW or to even check it out at all. Like, they are the people that are very like, I love this type of wrestling. Only Vince can do wrestling. So, nothing's really going to change. Yeah. But that's that's kind of it in terms of wrestling this week. I mean... Yeah. Um, we don't even need to talk about too much. is just horrible at, like, doing any sort of safety for COVID. I, I know some people uh, that recently started getting into wrestling because no, no other sports are on. And they're like, oh, I love wrestling now. And they watch SmackDown and Raw. And I feel bad for them because that's not that's not real wrestling. That's sports entertainment, pal. Y'all get my name right, pal. Sports entertainment. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, and I, so it's a pregnant woman. She's gonna be Otis for Halloween. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, right now wrestling is is suffering a little bit, especially in the WWE. Because it is sports entertainment. It's not wrestling. Wrestling's a naughty word. So. Yeah. It's, it's, unless it's the greatest wrestling match ever. Because then it's like a fancy stip that you put on a match. Yes. Alright. Um. I don't know. Politically, everything's still crazy. Here's one thing that I think went too far. People are trying to pull on statues of Lincoln and Grant. And I think that's... Like, Lincoln and Grant weren't really racist. Even if they had, like, some biases, overall, their actions helped, like, Reconstruction and against, this, like, in the Civil War and everything. So I feel like pulling down statues of them 
is more like a hate for just America in general than a hate for the racist parts of America's past. Because, like, I'm cool with taking down the Confederate statues. And, like, I want Andrew Jackson off the $20 bill. I want Fer- Frederick Douglass on that instead. But I don't understand, like, needs, like tearing down statues of Grant and Lincoln, It's not that's not about, like, racism. That's about something deeper, I feel. I, I don't know much about the the Grant statues, but I can see why people want the Lincoln statues down. Because, you know, a lot of people are just like, oh, Lincoln ended slavery. Hooray, he's a good guy. But that's not necessarily the case. Because he, his, what he wanted wasn't necessarily, oh, no more slavery. He wanted to unify the country. And he didn't care what that costed. He, he, I, I, uh, read somewhere he wrote a letter to a general I think it was a union general he was like oh I just want the union to be unified if that means I have to free all the slaves then I'll do it if that means I have to free some of them and leave some of them where they're at that's fine if I have to free none of the slaves that's also fine he didn't really care about what happened to them he just wanted the country to be unified yeah that's and def- he also he also didn't pay black soldiers an equal amount of money as whites as uh, you know white soldiers during the Civil War. Yeah, that's definitely true. There's a checkered past and there's issues, but again, for I think his actions did end up speaking louder, even if they weren't the most pure motivations. He did write very abolitionist papers. Frederick Douglass did a great job to kind of steer him into the position over time of like I just got to reify the Union. Like, we'll let them keep slaves if we have to. We'll try free some slaves, like you said. Frederick Douglass, especially, again, I want the $20 bill of Andrew Jackson. He worked very hard to help spin Lincoln. And I think Lincoln was very receptive and learned a lot from Frederick Douglass. And I think that Lincoln ended up dying a very unracist person. So, Welder is a checkered past. I don't think that it's right to take down statues. In, in the end, he was... He was um, not as checkered, and he yeah. had a clear idea or a clear. Um, he was less biased, I guess. Yeah, and also like it, this is kind of comes back to the same thing of our thing to speaking out. It's like, all right, you have a small issue here compared to this whole big issue. Like, is Lincoln really the issue when you look at all the other things we have to be dealing with right now? Like, Lincoln isn't number one on my list of people to cancel. Yeah. Like I don't even know Especially if I want to cancel him. He was a man like, that died over two hundred yeah. years. I would need some convincing to cancel Lincoln at all because I think he's one of the best figures in American history, even for his flaws. But like, if we even want to start the conversation about canceling Lincoln, can we please just like, all right, let's get rid of some of the Confederate statues. Let's see if we can get rid of like some legal immunities for police officers. Let's try to ban, like, like. let's try to make sure that bicams can always stay on. Like, let's do these things that will actually, like, make change. Tearing down statues of Lincoln or creating the nation of Chaz, where, like, you're just basically a Marxist, like, nation in the middle of Seattle. That's not helping the problem. Yeah. I mean, oh, oh, my dog just came under my desk and farted. That's great. He literally slid between between my legs and like I don't know, but anyway, um, I think there's a lot of people right now who are, like you said, they're worried about the wrong things. Like, oh, sorry, you can't get that message on my mom's phone. 
I think a lot of people right now are worried about the wrong things. Like, on there was a big thing this week on YouTube where there was Jenna Marbles. She's been on YouTube for years. She's been on top of you, you know, one of the most more popular YouTubers for years. And she was kind of canceled, like I guess canceled off the internet because she was, you know, being called out for videos she made in the past and stuff that she, you know, didn't said in the past. And she kind of said, like, this is stuff that, like, I never, this is stuff that got me views back then. This is stuff that was entertainment that was funny back then. But now, obviously, that stuff isn't okay and she would never do it and that she was sorry for it. Yeah. And I think that, that, and, you know, there was another YouTuber who's been popular for a very long time, Shane Dawson. He kind of had the same situation and he kind of came up with the, you know, same kind of idea of, of video. And I think it's really like cancel culture, they call it cancel culture. It's really, really toxic because I don't understand why so many people bring up stuff from so long ago and use it against you because that's stuff that's that's so old and outdated that it's very likely that that's not something they would do now. Yeah. And also it's even like the more modern cancel culture of like, there's like the things that are actively wrong that happened ages ago. Then there's things that are happening today that are either a tiny bit wrong or just a different opinion. Like there's a whole, we talked about it on the show because it's important to me as like a big Harry Potter fan. But like there's a whole JK Rowling trans fan. It's like people are really actively trying to just cancel her and like cancel Harry Potter or like, Say, like, we have to get Harry Potter through this, guys. It's like, here's why Harry Potter is so good. It doesn't talk about politics. Like, Harry Potter is just a fun story that doesn't discuss politics. Because your art gets worse when you talk about politics. So, like, one of my, yeah. favorite, one of my favorite bands, probably my favorite band is Pine Grove. Like, that entire band group is socialist. I'm not a socialist, so I don't agree with their political takes. But in their songs, they never sing about how great, like, free healthcare is. They just write about their, like... The, the main guy writes about his own life experience. Writes about his own life experiences. It's not like... If they were to start singing songs about socialism, I probably wouldn't be as into it. Because I'm like, dude, I don't need to hear about socialism. I want to hear, like, about, like, how music has affected your life and the inputs on that. So it's like, that's why art... Like, politics are separate from the art. So when Jake... Like, when they say something as a person that's, like, that's, like, pro-socialist, I don't care. They're allowed to say that. So when J.K. Rowling says something, when her books have never been anti-trans, they never said anything anti-trans, and she even says something in your statement that's not anti-trans, she just wants to change some of the wording of trans stuff, it's like, you can disagree with what she said, but you don't have to like, cancel Harry Potter, you don't have to cancel her, it's like, she just has a differing opinion, it's not like it's a radical opinion, she's not like, oh, we can't have trans people, trans people go to hell, no more trans people. Like, all she says is, just, I want to change some of the phrasing because I worry that we're just erasing what it means to be a woman. And it's like a very feminist statement, honestly. So I I don't understand why we are so rushed to cancel people when there are actual, like, neo-Nazis out there that we should be working on getting instead of, like, people that are socially liberal that just have minor differences in opinions or said something stupid in the past, and it's like, no, we have to destroy your life. It's Those people agree with you on most things, if they disagree with you, they're allowed to disagree with you. You don't have to ruin their life. I don't understand it. Yeah. Like, like, like what they did with Sammy Guevara. 
like that stuff was a few years old now and now you know i mean people weren't wrong for being upset but i don't i don't think it should have gone to where it is now yeah can we say we're glad you apologized we're glad you talked sasha banks you said something stupid it's all cool we forgive you if you say it again we're gonna be really pissed we understand saying you said when you were young and dumb it's cool now just don't say it again like why can't we just say that instead it's like people are trying to get his address and like burn down his house it's like it's it's gone way too far and most of it is on the left which bugs me too because like i generally like being socially liberal like i'm happy for people to have gay marriage i'm happy for people to be trans and stuff but when there's the same people that are supporting their main advocates for this and they're treating other people that have differing opinions like this it's like it's not helping the cause it's not making you look good and it's something really toxic that doesn't pull me away from the actual normal cause but it pushes me away from people that i would agree with on things and that's what really scares me yeah um i think that's pretty much it yeah i hope everyone enjoyed our very ranty show yeah this one this one was pretty pretty good length yeah we went um just under an hour it seems but um stop cancel culture please it's horrible it's not we need and if like I don't want to say it. I also shouldn't say this because I'm probably get canceled now if we were famous. But it's like, if you want to be Marxist, that's fine. But just because someone isn't a Marxist doesn't mean you have to ruin their life. Because I do find not all cancel culture. Some people with the cancel culture are just generally good meaning. But I find a lot of really toxic, like of these Marxist people, like in the nation of Chaz, that just want to do this constant cancel culture, and it really bugs me because it's like, I'm not communist right now. I'm not going to become a communist from you acting like this. So please just be a nice little communist and maybe I'll listen to your ideas. Yeah. But um yeah, it's that that's the one thing that like we're generally pretty moderate, I would say. That's the one thing that worries me about um about the left generally, the whole cancel culture thing. People are just way really 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 sensitive. People get offended too much. You have to, like, understand with all the technology and the sphere we live in, this is just how things are going to be. Yeah. I don't know. It's sad. Can't... Can't breathe. And... If you breathe wrong, somebody will be like, oh, I'm offended. Like, it's really dumb. It's really dumb. And this isn't to take away from, like, the things like George Floyd. Like, those things are horrible. But when we're canceling people that agree with us on things like, yeah, that officer should go to jail, but maybe not all police are evil, and you're like, well, you are horrible. Oh, I believe all police are evil. Instead of telling them why, you just shout them down. It's There needs to be a different way to go about these things, a different way to share ideas. Like, like, like I'm, I'm going to use an example. People who are e- really, really off- easily offended by dark humor. If you make a, like, let's just say, if you make a Black Lives Matter joke, that doesn't necessarily mean you're against Black Lives Matter. You're just, like, you're transcending a dark thing for a moment of time. Not necessarily making light of it, but just to show the absurdity of what, like, yeah. what, why, like, of the of the scenario. So, I don't, I don't understand why people are like, oh, well, this guy, Bill, Bill Burr made a joke about black people. He doesn't like black people. 
Like, that's not how it works. Like, no. People are just way too overly sensitive. Yeah. And also, it's like Dave Chappelle makes jokes about white kids being school shooters all the time. Am I like, oh, Dave Chappelle, you're evil. You're racist to me, and I hate you, Dave Chappelle? No, I don't care. It's a funny joke. Yeah. Way disproportionately, like, maybe all school shooters are white kids. And, like, I think that's kind of sad about, like, my generation. Or, not my generation, but, like, my race. But it's like, am I personally offended if someone makes light of that? No. And some people might be personally offended. And I understand that. Because, especially if it's something like Black Lives Matter, that can be a very sensitive topic. But the idea that instead of just blocking that person on Twitter or just ignoring it, that you have to go burn their house down for doing something that might not have been funny, but they were always trying to make funny. Like, you... It's not supposed to be that way. Yeah. Like, like... I'm gonna... I'm gonna give you a personal example. I can't remember who exactly was who said this to me, but I remember one time, this was probably, like, sixth grade, Somebody went told me, "Hey, I'm gonna tell you a joke," and I'm like, "Okay, like, what's the difference?" But I remember the joke. It was, "What's the difference between a printer and a Mexican?" And I was like, "What?" And he was like, "A printer has papers." I wasn't like, "Oh, you're racist. I don't like you. I'm report you to the principal." I actually thought it was a pretty funny joke. Is it making fun of something horrible? Yeah. I mean, is it discriminating against my race and my cultural background? Not necessarily. It's a joke. Like, I didn't try to ruin his life because he said that. I was like, oh, okay. That's a joke. I thought it was kind of funny. The guy that said that is a Hillary supporter, too. So there's, like, even some hypocrisy here. Because he's very, um... Again, we won't say names, but he posted, like, a meme about... Um, the Raptors winning, like, the NBA Finals meant that Trump would lose in 2020. And I just commented, like, lib. I'm like, really? Like, you're reading into so much. Like, or, like, you're so desperate to get Trump out that's like, oh, a Canadian team won the NBA Finals. This means that Trump won't win re-election. So I just kind of commented. I just commented, like, lib or liberal or something. And like, he, blo- he blocked me. It's like, you're the one who's going and making, like, semi-racist jokes to people. And then I make a joke about your political affiliations and you posting a stupid meme that's not grounded in reality at all and when it's like the election has nothing to do with who wins the nba finals and then you go and you block me it's like it's the and of course not everyone who's in cancel culture is a horrible person but i think there's definitely some misgivings about this because there's some real hypocrisy behind a lot of people involved in it but I think I think it's safe to say that the person we're talking about here is not a good person overall. But you know that that doesn't you know like you just said it, that doesn't go for everybody. I mean, I just think that if you take offense to something, just try not to ruin a person because they said something, especially if there's a large amount of people who are saying well this thing isn't actually that bad like obviously if it's something like oh jews are bad and then all these anti-sems are like yeah he's right jews are bad obviously that's not something like well that must mean jews are bad i'm talking about like something that was done they apologized for or they show remorse for and you're still like well they still did it 
Like, yeah. Come no, if if you're like the guys that like shot Ahmad Arbery, like, yeah, you should probably be canceled because that seems like it was a pretty racist thing to do with the evidence we have. So, yeah, I'm behind like those guys. We shouldn't give a pass on this. And if you're like, you kind of brought up like the anti-Semitic stuff, like if you like film video coming like a hate crime to a Jew or like repeatedly like, I'm talking about like, repeatedly send videos and messages to someone that you know is Jewish. Like Ben Shapiro, I think it's a lot of this. There's going to talk about, it's like if you're repeatedly actively harassing someone or physically harming someone or putting someone in like a deep depression or something, yeah, we probably shouldn't let you get away from being canceled. But if you just make like a kind of offhanded joke or an offhanded comment when you were young and stupid, it's like we shouldn't ruin your life for that. Like the younger you are, the it's the more likely you'll be uneducated or naive or just less aware of what the consequences of what you're saying. So I'm not saying that's an excuse for people who do or say things that are bad. I'm just saying show a little remorse because no person, especially in their younger years, has thought of or said something that, if said, posted online, wouldn't have a great response. So... I yeah, think we kind of went on like eight minutes over when we were about to end the show, but um, I think that was really important. We're gonna keep talking about cancel culture. We I think we talked about it, like two, three weeks ago, but um, it's really one of the major issues I actually think of our society because it's kind of like everyone agrees. I think we'll do one last example. Like I think like ninety-seven, ninety-eight percent of America probably agrees with the phrase "Black Lives Matter," but if you don't agree with the organization. Because, like, the weirs came out and said that they are like, trained Marxists. Because you're like, well... And I think this is an important thing for lots of organizations. Like, just because someone has a certain name doesn't mean they, like, they have ulterior things. Like, I agree with the idea of Black Lives Matter. But I might not agree with the organization named that. Because the organization has some ideas I don't agree with. Like, slavery reparations. And, like, becoming a more socialist and, mar- and communist country. Like... So I might not support the organization. It's like, well, I still support the most important part, the idea of Black Lives Matter. I just don't support some of the things you want to do. So it's like, should I be canceled there? And some people that, like, voice those things actively, like me, that have a following, are kind of getting canceled for that. And it's like, well, no, we agree with the important part, the Black Lives Matter. It's just we don't agree with some other things. And I don't like using the underlying things there to kind of say, well, if you agree with us on this, you have to agree with us on this, this, and this, or you're canceled. That's kind of what bugs me. Yeah. All right. Um, I think that is our show. Do we have anything else? Um, no. I think that's all. All right. Um, something's happening. Your audio is dropping off. So would you like to take that outro again? We are done here for this episode can you hear me now yes yeah. you you could now i don't know if they could have heard you is the your audio I, I really leaned small back, i leaned back in my chair and started talking so my, I, like i was probably just far okay um but yeah that's this week's episode all right um but, uh, thanks everyone for listening josh you can pod on instagram
we also have like Good. 22 followers or something make um, sure you you follow the podcast on instagram what was the name uh, josh and ethan pod and then follow the podcast if you listen on spotify Subscribe if you're on any like Stitcher or Downcast or anything, and then we have a five star rating and review if you're on iTunes. All right, um, thank you for listening.